Welcome to Sermon Underwear, a podcast where we look at the conversations, situations, and stories that lead up to the sermons that are preached here at First Lutheran. This is Pastor Brian. This is Pastor Perry. This week, we're continuing in Mark's Gospel, chapter 12. It's past uh, Palm Sunday here in the story in Mark's Gospel, chapter 12, verse 1. Jesus is in, in the temple here, uh, speaking with the authorities. Then he began to speak to them in parables. A man planted a vineyard put a fence around it, dug a pit for a wine press, and built a watchtower. Then he leased it to tenants and went away to another country. When the season came, he sent a slave to the tenants to collect from them his share of the produce of the vineyard. But they seized him and beat him and sent him away empty-handed. And again he sent another slave to them. This one they beat over the head and insulted. Then he sent another, and they killed that one. And so it was with many others. Some they beat and others they killed. He had still one other, a beloved son. Finally, he sent him to them, saying, They will respect my son. But those tenants said to one another, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. So they seized him, killed him, and threw him out of the vineyard. What then will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and destroy the tenants and give the vineyard to others. Have you not read this scripture? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is amazing in our eyes. When they realized that he had told this parable against them, they wanted to arrest him, but they feared the crowd. So they left him and went away. Then continuing on at verse 13. Then they sent to him some Pharisees and some Herodians to trap him in what he said. And they came and said to him, Teacher, We know that you are sincere and show deference to no one, for you do not regard people with partiality, but teach the way of God in accordance with truth. Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? Should we pay them or should we not? But knowing their hypocrisy, Jesus said to them, Why are you putting me to the test? Bring me a denarius and let me see it. And they brought one. And he said to them, whose head, is not, whose head is this and whose title? They answered, the emperor's. Jesus said to them, give to the emperor the things that are the emperor's and to God the things that are God's. And they were utterly amazed at him. So this is actually our second go at this podcast. We've been uh, <laughs> stewing over it for a while and uh, came to some different conclusions over the course of the week, which is as it sometimes goes if you're having a hard time with a particular passage of scripture, you know, read it, um, set it aside and think on it a bit and come back to it another time, have some conversations with other people. And um, so, as we said at the start of the podcast, this this second run of it is the the fruits of those conversations, situations and stories uh, leading up to this podcast. Right. This will at least hopefully make more sense than what we were talking about before. And it's think important to understand a couple of things or to to have your mind set on on a couple of things one being that the first part where it's talking about the vineyard uh, can represent a couple of different things in throughout history the vineyard for uh, has represented the people of Israel the kingdom of Israel it could also represent the temple and the temple functions that are going on at that time. And so to to look at this 
parable as a parable either against Israel or against some of the practices going on in the temple. And then when you get to verse 13, the part that I read, uh, that again is set within the temple, but it is the question of, is it right as uh, a religious group being oppressed by the Romans to pay Roman tax? I think a real, this may be oversimplification, but I think it helps me to think of that first passage or the whole talk about vineyard, wine press, and uh, and the t- watchtower and all that as Jesus talking about the place where you can expect to hear God's word. And mm-hmm. then he's coming at it as um, this is a critique of the leaders of the worship place that they want to be in charge of um, how the word comes and what what particular word is said and the influence that comes with that. And so then um, when Jesus, the beloved son, son, comes along, they're thinking, we've heard a lot of this fellow up to this point, and we don't necessarily like the word that he has. Sometimes it's offensive, uh, sometimes it's confusing, or sometimes it seems to support the very people that we'd much rather not have in, in, uh, this, in the temple or in the worship place. And so this word that Jesus speaks again here is, is offensive and kind of points out that they're trying to mani- manipulate the way that the word comes. And really what uh, they do with that word and what the purpose of that, that word is. The second part in talking about the question of whether do we pay tax or not uh, is a setup uh, to be able to use Jesus' words to beat him up, to get him in trouble. And it's interesting that you have the Pharisees, which are the law of the, the religious group, and then Herodians, who I'm assuming would support Rome and what they're doing. And so whatever answer Jesus goes, or whichever side Jesus goes with, yes, we pay tax, or no, we don't pay tax— He's got a group there that's ready to beat him up and tell him that he's wrong and use his words as a, as a weapon against him. Yeah, and if even if not for either of them to take action, it's a very divisive question that they pose. So even if they don't use it to beat him up with it, it's if Jesus answers this question, it's likely to split his followers on the subject too. So I think that's another way that they're trying to come up come at it with is, how can we pose a question that's going to cause a, a division in this body of followers? And that's the sort of thing that we see frequently. Um, you know, we, we struggle with right on up to this day is uh, being posed with these questions where if one is to um, answer only this way is right or only that way is right, then it causes a, a split and uh, causes us to have to ask ourselves, what is the foundation of our identity? Who are we? And that's sometimes how I've heard this second half of this question put when Jesus says whose image is on the coin or what's imprinted on it, that the implied question there is for us as listeners, whose image is imprinted on you? you know, what's, what are the things that identify you? Is it your answer to this divisive question, whatever it is? And if you get that right, then that's your identity is I've got the right answers or is our identity in Christ? And if our identity is in Christ, then that changes really how we, how we can answer the question. If we're not worried per se, I mean, obviously we want to give the right or the best answer, but we know that in a lot of situations, we don't know 
what the right answer is. We can make a, a stab at it. We can give it a give a get a give a go with it. We may end up wrong, but if we end up wrong, we know that we are still Christ's, and that it is His forgiveness that that we rely on. And I think that helps us to come at some of these really divisive questions that we get put to us in this lifetime to know that uh, our foundation is on a merciful God, to know that we have a place to come to um, where there is consistently a word of grace and mercy. That allows me to say whatever difficult question is put to me, my identity is not founded on do I have the right answers? Did I get this question uh, right? It, It no longer is about that, but it allows me to be free to answer whatever the question is in a way where I can say, What's going to best help my neighbor? I'm no longer interested in me being right and my ego being damaged if I don't get the answer the right way, but to ask it in a different way. How can I serve my neighbor? What's, what outcome uh, is going to be the one that will help my neighbor the most? And to know that I very well may likely be wrong even trying to answer it in that way, but still my foundation, my, my uh, hope is in this relationship with Christ, not whether... I got the answer right or not. I I tried my best, but right or wrong, my best is not what my relationship with God is founded on. So we could take that into today's world uh, right now, right here, and say, how do we do what is best for our neighbor in terms of the coronavirus? It would be said that the the coronavirus really has obviously killed less people than influenza. And so in a lot of ways, it's like the flu, Um, yet we are um, very concerned about it. And how do we, as as a church, as each other, live out our best life being concerned about our neighbor? And will we have the right answer? Maybe not. But God is there to, to forgive us when we make the wrong choice. One question that I would have is, have you been in a situation where you did need to make a choice on a question that uh, seemed to have no right answer, knowing that that right, that the answer that you gave uh, may be problematic? That you are going to maybe, whichever way you answered was going to be divisive and alienate half of the people you're being uh, asked to make a choice for. How does your identity being founded in Christ change the way that you look at that question versus if your identity or reputation is founded on you coming up with the right answer? 